okay. We'll be hearing from Scott shortly. Uh, It's now time to hear from God's Word. Today's Bible reading is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. Uh, I'll give you a minute to find that on your smart device or the old school way on your Bible. That's Philippians 4, verses 4 to 13. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. My name's Scott. I'm one of the ministers here. And I want to start with a question this morning, if that's okay. Ask yourself, what would it take to make you truly content? Or perhaps to ask the question the other way around. What, if it was taken away from you, would also take away your happiness, perhaps permanently? What do you need to make you truly content? Or what, if taken away, would also take away your happiness? I think they're good questions to ask as we think about the year that uh, we've endured. And it's a good question to ask as we think about our city reopening up once those magical milestones have been reached. There might be things we didn't even know that we relied upon, personal freedom and human contact that have really hurt us as they've been taken away from us. And the prospect of a holiday away or just returning to normal working and schooling conditions or even a, a cheeky drink at the pub might feel like the return of happiness to us. We can imagine contentment returning chew by chew or sip by sip at a dinner out. And I I reckon it will feel like that, at least at first. But then we'll get used to it and it will no longer feel quite as rewarding or satisfying. I think the second major lockdown has taught us that few things are lasting, constant, permanent. I mean, we never really thought we'd be in this position again. And who knows if we'll be back here sometime later or something equally as unpleasant. We long for things to go well for us, but we're conscious that nothing stays that good for that long. Nothing brings permanent happiness. Nothing brings lasting contentment, does it? Well, if you wanted a picture of a fella for whom things had fallen into place, it'd be hard to go past a 19th century Chicago lawyer by the name of Horatio Spafford. That's a great name. 
And uh, he's a good-looking rooster, isn't he? He was a successful lawyer. He had several business interests on the go and owned an extensive real estate portfolio in the Chicago area. And things were ticking along rather nicely for Horatio at the turn of the 1870s. In fact, not just for him, but for his wife, Anna, his four daughters, and his son as well. But then his son died at the age of four. And then the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 burnt most of his real estate portfolio. And his business interests suffered further from the economic downturn of 1873. And Horatio realized he just needed a break from it all. And so he booked himself and his wife and his daughters on a voyage to England. As it turns out, he was delayed, having to deal with some rezoning issues after the fire. But he sent Anna and his girls ahead on the SS Vildehav. And while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank rapidly after a collision with another ship. There's a picture of it here. And all four of Spafford's daughters died. His wife Anna survived and famously sent him the briefest of telegrams, Saved Alone. Saved Alone. Can you imagine that? When Horatio travelled across the Atlantic to uh, meet his wife, he passed over that stretch of sea where his four daughters had perished. And he penned the words of the song that we're going to sing in just a few moments. It's a well-known song to many of us called It Is Well With My Soul, which says this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou, that's God, has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, many of us know that song. It's been a comfort and an encouragement to many of us. I wonder if you knew the story behind the song, but almost everybody has the same reaction to the story. It's a very uh, understandable reaction. How could he possibly write those words in that place after all that had happened to him? How could Horatio say, it is well with my soul when he had lost so much? I mean, it's fine to say we imagine it is well with my soul when peace like a river attends us, but how can you say that when sorrows like sea billows roll in? Or in the next verse, when Satan buffets you, or trials come. Whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. It just sounds so alluring, so desirable, so good. You and I automatically assume, well, it's too good to be true, isn't it? If nothing lasts, we would say, you know, the wise thing to do is to enjoy it in the moment right now. Because you know that contentment and happiness cannot prevail. The sorrows will roll in. The trial, trials will come. The ship will sink. But as this great song of encouragement continues, Horatio himself provides the answer to that question. The question, how can he say it is well, whatever my lot? And the answer is because of his relationship with Jesus. And you might go, well, that sounds simplistic. In fact, it sounds trite or way too easy to say. But they're Horatio's words, man. <laughs> they're not mine. So listen carefully what he will say, what he pens. Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. I mean, we've just sung those words. Thank you for the blood. Then he goes on to write, My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross. I bear it no more. And Lord, haste the day when faith shall be sight. Uh, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll and the Lord shall descend. In a way, Horatio is saying that he's caught up in a much larger story than his own. He's caught up in a much surer circumstance than his 
own present situation. He's caught up in a much more hopeful story than his own, really. And it's because he sees his story within the larger story of relationship with God in Christ. And that's why it is well with his soul, no matter when trials come, when Satan buffets him, when sorrows spill over. You know, even when he was a successful lawyer, property investor and father of five, Jesus looked upon his natural state before God, which Horatio himself describes as helpless. Interesting, you can be successful in worldly terms, can't you? Highly successful. But it does not hide being helpless in spiritual terms if you're not in right standing with God. I mean, Christians like Horatio hear in the Bible a description of a barrier that stands between humanity and God. An offence that has been committed by humans before God and a penalty that is owed by humans to God. Each and every one of us, whether we appear successful or not, whether we're morally upright or not, whether we're angry atheists, politely indifferent or religiously inclined. And the Bible describes that deep heart attitude that is common to all humanity. It calls it sin. Sin is the original virus that has infected us all and there is no man-made vaccination at any rate of take-up that will spare us. And yet at the precise moment of our greatest need to somehow deal with the barrier and the offence and the penalty, Christ shed his own blood. You know, in the third verse, Horatio will go on to explain, my sin, not in part but the whole, has been nailed to the cross. That is the Roman executioner's cross upon which Jesus died. And the effect is that the barrier is removed The offence is pardoned and the penalty is paid. We bear it no more so that Horatio, so that you, so that me, might be in right standing with God, that we might know his forgiveness, his peace, his blessing, his rest and his joy. And so friends, if you don't know this peace, joy, blessing, rest, can I lay it upon you to learn more of it until you can accept what Horatio accepted? Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. So whatever my lot, God has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You see, I I reckon that would be worthy of a conversation with a Christian friend. Uh, Or you might want to read one of the Gospels. That's the biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John that you can find in any Bible. Uh, You might even want to sign up for the online Alpha course you'll hear about in a moment. Great thing to do. But if you don't know God and his peace and his forgiveness and his blessing and his rest, let me lay it upon you to learn more of it for yourself until you can receive that for yourself. Now, for those of us who do know all that, I think this song has got something very important to teach us, something that's very similar to what the Apostle Paul was onto when from a jail cell or house arrest in Rome, he penned these words to the Philippian Christians that Luke has just read to us. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I mean, hear those words. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whatever my lot Thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Can you see that Horatio Spafford and the Apostle Paul are saying the exact same thing? 
They have grasped something so sure, so certain, so lasting, so prevalent and so uplifting, they can say they are content even under house arrest. They can say it is well even when their children have been taken from them, though obviously that remains very sad. I mean, we long for the day where we can sip a beer standing up at the bar or joining together once again for church or playing a cricket match together or sharing Christmas dinner with one another, even though all of those things can be taken from us very quickly and incidentally. Horatio Spafford and the Apostle Paul say they have got something that disaster and disease and detention cannot take away from them, a contentment and a joy that comes from knowing Christ Jesus, knowing his forgiveness born from his love, his blessing, his presence, his rest and his peace. But I wonder if you noticed that both men pointed to the fact that it didn't come naturally. It's not native to us as human beings. Horatio Spafford was taught to say, it is well with my soul. The Apostle Paul twice says, I have learned to be content. I have learned the secret to being content. It's not natural to be content in every situation, even though it's something we all genuinely long for. So let me ask you the obvious question. How do you reckon they learnt it? How did Paul learn it? How did Horatio Spafford get taught it? Do you think both men learned to be content in every circumstance by avoiding every difficult circumstance? Wouldn't you say it was those difficult circumstances that were the most fertile learning opportunities, the best environments to be taught that only that which endures forever, only that which cannot be taken away from us at a whim can supply ongoing contentment and bring permanent joy, whatever the circumstance. Only a relationship with God that begins when we first trust that His Son has shed His own blood in response to our helpless estate, which prevails through all the ups and downs of this life and which continues into eternity. We learn from people like Spafford and the Apostle Paul that the secret of contentment is to not let it rely to rest upon things that can be easily taken from us, like our health and our wealth and our friendships and our freedom, but to let it rely upon a relationship with God that spans eternity, that is founded upon the unchanging historical data of Jesus' perfectly obedient life and his sacrificial death on a cross, and which will merge from faithful expectation into a blessed and splendid realization when we see the Lord with our own eyes. What a wonderful day. Friends, as we finish, I want to say now is the perfect time to learn this secret with restricted freedoms that we still face. And soon will be a time to test this secret as the opening up of our city provides pleasant but not prevailing contentment. I mean, this song is a song of encouragement because it encourages us to use whatever difficulties or pleasantries that we face or that yet await us to say in any and every situation, Whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. For I know Jesus and the forgiveness, the joy, the peace and the blessing he brings. And he knows me. And that cannot be taken away. Well, let's join in singing this great song of encouragement together. Let's sing.
Well 